All right, welcome back to the I'm There podcast. I'm your host, Freyway. I'm here with my co-host, Kenny. Mm. And we have a special guest with us today. We have Stango, who's joining us. This is going to be let's, an episode. Let's relax. Let's oh, relax. Okay, maybe not a special guest. Maybe not even a guest. <laughs> we got Stango here. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, I just got I mean, done saying go. that I he ain't go. been a guest since Nam, all right? <laughs> not Stango saying I can go. <laughs> well, who whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? Aren't aren't I the guest? I'm. You're supposed to be in the inviters. I'm the invitees. Aren't I the guest? What was that? What was that even? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I just want to talk about Saul. So, uh, I think we mentioned this in another podcast episode, but we have started our binge watching of the Saul universe. So there are ten movies, including Spiral. Mm. And we watched the first two last night, and uh, it was awesome. You know, just to revisit i actually forgot a lot of the things that happened in the saw movies and going through them again for i don't even know how many times probably like the fifth time i've actually gone through all of them up to like eight is going to be really fun but yeah we did the first two which was it took us about four hours to get through and stango surprisingly is just a fucking huge fan of the saw franchise i didn't know that until very recently so figured we have him on Mm. but uh what what draws you to the saw franchise so much Stango? like why do you like it what how old were you too when you first saw it uh, I was definitely like really, really young when I first saw it for sure. Yeah. I don't know whoever introduced me to it. I'll just say Kenny. That that's like a pretty safe bet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in the basement. Yeah, in the uh, in our in uh, my aunt's basement, um, where all the hangouts used to be. Uh, as far as like when I got older, like I would say probably like in my early teens, like I kind of like rewatched it, like all the movies again, and just like kind of I don't know something about most of the characters in Saul are like really like really really enthralling to me like Jigsaw John Kramer Tobin Bell all star yeah. like he he's like up there for me when it comes to like horror icon characters like the way the way he's written his motivations everything like that yeah so um, let's let's talk about that for a second because one of the funniest things about his motivations and just the way they try to portray him <laughs> from the very first, you know where I'm going with this, but yes. we were making jokes about this all last night while we were, while we were watching it together is, uh, so Tobin Bell, the the main character, Jigsaw, he is portrayed as not being a murderer. They try to portray this <laughs> image of him as like he's he's never murdered anyone. It's the never people, killed anyone. He it's the people in these situations that have the choice to live or die, but he has not actually murdered. So they're trying to really push this on you from the first movie, and they say it a couple times in the second movie. I'm waiting to see if they stop saying that at some they point. They have to stop at some point. Because it's, it's just, just wild. Because you know somebody will say like he's a serial killer or he's a this or that, and then somebody will say actually he's not. He's never killed anyone himself. And it's like oh yeah, I think I said in the chat one time. It's like oh yeah, he's he doesn't kill you, but he just fucking puts a bear trap on your head and says get out in ten minutes by digging a fucking key out of your eye. Ten minutes, you got me. Yo, Jigsaw has never given a single person ten fucking minutes, Kenny. You know that. (laughs) Yeah, dude. The one is like true. That's not true. We'll get there. We'll get there. Here's a pit of fucking diseased needles. Yeah. Just in and find key. I think I think it was three minutes. You get three minutes. I just want everybody to know. Look, if you look at the size of the pit, there is no universe where any (laughs) human is finding anything in there in three minutes. (laughs) Just because you're going to jump in oh, and God. then being pricked by the fucking needles is going to force you to like fucking yeah. stutter back and then like even weeding through them. It's never going to. And then you got to find a little key. No, I it's not happening. I actually love how outrageous the time is that he gives people. He does not give you adequate time for pretty much any of them, because even no. people who get the key or whatever they're 
their survival is uh going to be based on. Sometimes they can't get the fucking thing off their body in time. Like you'll get the key, you'll gouge out your eyeball or whatever, or you'll fucking cut off your leg and find whatever device he implanted in you and get it out. And you're like, all right, so where do I insert this on this fucking Venus flytrap helmet that you put me in? Like, I don't even know what to do with this. He's cracked out. And then the one in the second movie, he just blatantly, Fraser was saying this a lot. Like, okay, he's blatantly putting poisonous gas that was used in a terrorist attack yes. into yeah, the building real, uh, so it's like a no real, a real he life is event. killing them <laughs> yeah it's it, it's literally the same poison in 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 real life like terrorist attack that happened in our actual world yeah, um, yeah about i think the tokyo uh, train station uh, yeah attack. It, it happened like in the early 80s i think or something like that okay. it was just like a, a subway like toxin like bombing i think the idea that some people have is like well he wasn't holding a gun and pulling the trigger like you <laughs> had a sure. chance there are many ways to kill people that don't include you literally pointing a gun at them and shooting them and it's ridiculous that in every movie uh, so far they keep on saying oh he's never actually killed anyone like be fucking for real that though i remember people irl i do remember people irl making the argument like well he doesn't actually kill people so they bought into like, the propaganda yeah. bought in see they those are, those, in. Are the pe- those are the people you gotta watch out yeah for. you definitely gotta yeah, watch out for anyone actually. saying that yeah <laughs> like, those, those are those, those are the uh the slippery slope morality like, moralities out there it's like the old cartoons right you fucking tie somebody up in rope and lay them on the train tracks it's like i didn't kill him he just didn't get out in time <laughs> like, yeah I just put them in a situation that would 100% lead to their death if these conditions that I set up myself aren't met. <laughs> like, you, you're in this house and you're going to die in two hours unless you guys figure out how to work together and get out. And if you don't do that, all of you will die from this deadly toxin. Or you might just die from the traps themselves because the traps also just fucking kill you. Yeah, um, I think it's... Uh... I think going back to the to the original question, I I think the biggest thing that draws me to Saul is that like a lot of the characters are like really really memorable, and some of them being like super iconic to me. And um, overall, I like the I like the uh, the amount of detail they put into the story to like tie everything together. And we'll see that a lot more when we watch the later movies. Yeah. Like every everything is like butterfly effect throughout the whole yeah, series. It's all which is really cool. Yeah, I was going to say, um, in terms of the characters, I'm not super attached to any of them yet, but before our current marathon rewatch, I don't know how many I've seen. I rewatched them. I know now that I definitely saw one and two. I mean, I know I saw one, but two, I wasn't sure if I saw if I saw two or if I saw three or if I saw both. I don't know. Uh, but I remember almost all of two, except for one of the coolest plot twists that's in two, which I, I, I'm happy that I didn't remember it because it made watching it more fun. Um, yep. You don't know that. What do you mean? <laughs> you don't know if that made watching it more fun. <laughs> First, you're just being a contrarian. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't, you cannot prove that. Yeah, prove it, Because you, you don't you know it? if you had watched it. Frazier, Frazier, prove it, Kenny, go ahead. <laughs> you guys want me to prove it? All right, okay, I'll prove it. Ahead. Watch yeah. this, watch this, ready? <laughs> All right. So we're gonna take a two. We're gonna take a two-hour break so Kenny can watch it again. Now that he knows the plot twist, and at the end, he got to tell me if it was more fun now than it was last night when he didn't know the plot twist. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only. Uh, way to prove I just got done watching it. I came from the future. I got lost. I got lost in time. But was it more fun? It was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> it was you, watched horrible. It, you watched it knowing the plot twist. It wasn't as good. Yep. When I got done watching it, I had. <laughs> I had lumps on my ass. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, 
I enjoyed watching it. Okay. Yeah. Ho. Um, <laughs> but something I like about it, something I like about these first two movies. So I'll say this. Um, and I said this last night, the Frasier and Stango at some point, I don't know which one it was when we get to it. I'll let all of you know. Yeah. At some point I remember seeing Saw movies and being like, Oh my God, these are horrible. Yeah. Um, so I don't know when that happens and you know, when it happens, I'll let everybody know. I'm pretty but, sure Saw 3d is one of the worst ones. I remember going so, to the movie to see that one. <laughs> I went to the movie to see pretty much every Saw, except Spiral. And I just remember watching the 3D one with my fucking forced 3D gra- glasses on, which I, I hate 3D uh, glasses, by the way. Can we just talk about that, too? Uh, like, uh, 3D movies always sucked. Like, they're fucking They awful. did. They did. And I, I can't stand them. I hate that the fad was ever a thing. I so hate it. it. Wasn't Avatar in 3D? Yes. Yeah, it's one of the things I hate about yeah. that movie. Because... I hate having people, to put glasses on. Yeah, people will be like... This, you know, this movie's iconic. It's the greatest thing of all time. But if you watch it now, people will say, like, oh, but you, you have to understand, you had to watch it in the theaters at the time because, like, you can't get the effects that you got in the theaters. If the movie's only good if I'm in the theaters and you're fucking spraying water on my face and I have to wear specific glasses, it's not a good movie. It's at a fucking amusement park, right? Yeah, like that point. For, for you, you, you may think you may think you hitting you hate putting on glasses, but imagine me and Kenny. So that's what I was going to say. What are you putting guys on do? 3D glasses? It's horrible. We you put, have to put it on, on top, top of our glasses, and it's fucking um. Is that what they actually expect it's, you guys yes. to do? Yes, you have to put them on over top of your already glasses. It is the most unplayable shit ever. That is yes, wild. It's so bad. Yeah, so I have good eyesight, so I don't have to put them over top of glasses, but I still think that wearing the 3D glasses are uncomfortable because they're not, they're they're all one size fit all, right? So initially, they're just not going to fit you, and some of them are too tight, so after a while, you get those headaches that, you know, yeah. if you have a, a hat on or glasses on that are just not fixated for your head properly, you get a headache from that shit. It's yes, very uncomfortable, so after a while of just wearing 3D glasses, I would feel them digging into my ears and, like, giving me a headache, and then I have to take them off, and now the movie looks all blurry, so I'm like, fuck. I have to put them back on and then struggle through it. And Avatar happens to be a three hour movie. So it's like, <laughs> dear God, this is the worst fucking time to have a headache or just be seeing things blurry and all that. Uh, not so not pleasant at all. I'm, I'm so glad that the 3D thing is done. I remember at one point, Best Buy and all the other companies were just selling 3D TVs. Oh, dude, there. the 3D TVs are so fucking stupid. Yeah, that's, that's done so now. Dumb. They were trying to push that as the next big thing. And I'm just so glad that didn't come to fruition because people bought into the curved TVs. People bought into 3D TVs. They're outrageously expensive at the times they came out. And both of them are just shit. Like, in yeah. hindsight, they're all it's just, just shit. trash. Like, people need it. They always got to innovate. And when I say innovate, I'm not, I don't mean that word. I, they always have to shitivate in order to <laughs> oh, no. get shit people, Hold get on. people to just like spend money. Like, oh, this up. is going to be the next big thing. Anyway, let's get a trademark shit-a-vate. on that quick. That's it. That's it. That's needed. That's needed <laughs> but, quickly. Anyway, I want to say though, rewatching Saw 1 and 2, and I haven't seen them probably since I was a teenager. Uh, last time I saw Saw, Saw, Saw 1 and 2. I was probably, I don't know, 15, 14, oh, I don't know, 16. I haven't rewatched them in a long, 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 long time. Yeah. Um, so having said that, and my last experience being, oh man, these movies sucks, rewatching it, I was surprised at like how Saw One is a good movie. Like I'm not even not even like, oh, it's a bad movie, but it's fun to watch. I think Saw One, I mean Saw Two as well, but I yeah, like I, I think the first but one. But really Saw good. One, like iconically, is legitimately a good movie, and I, I don't think like, I don't think it's, like, bad good. I think it's just good. Yeah. I think it's totally The actors suck. It has, it has good replay value. Uh, and also, 
So at the time, the horror genre was kind of just like, I don't even know. In 2004, when Saul came out, the horror genre was ass. I'm going to be honest. Like there weren't many mm. good horror movies coming out in 04. So when Saul came out, not only was it something new and fresh, because you don't have this guy in a mask or running around killing people per se. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Because that's what typically most of the, the genre was. It's like something running around killing you. You have somebody and who is not, doing... Go ahead. It's not like jump scares. And, right. There's you know no jump scares doesn't really. Do? You know what also doesn't do that, in my opinion, makes it a more mature movie is it doesn't. I was talking about this with Connie. It doesn't have random titillation. It doesn't try to be sexy. There's something about a lot of horror movies that randomly, like yeah. with the blood, they try to be sexy Friday as well. Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street. There's always that, teenagers having sex, and there's always yeah. like Scream yeah. is and literally it, that. Yeah. Scream is one of the like, most iconic. They'll have sex, and like that builds attention because like while they're having sex, they're not paying attention to their surroundings, but. It's so fucking corner to me, and I think even though some people would say, like, oh, this is a mature movie because it has sex scenes, like, it is so immature when implemented in such corny ways. And something I like about Saul, the point is, is that, like, it doesn't feel the need, at least yet, I don't know if later movies do it, it doesn't feel the need to, like, throw titties in your face in order for it to feel more mature or whatever. I don't know. There's, it's just no, a corny I, I thing that a lot that of horror point. movies do. I think Saul, Saul is actually, it broke the boundary for a lot of different things, so... One they of the, rely on the old formula gimmicks. I yeah, like one of the things that it did really well, I would say, is like he's capturing people and putting them in these situations and you're watching them destroy their own bodies and mutilate themselves a lot of the time or just fail to get out of a situation that's really fucked. And then what it does is it makes you, the viewer, put yourself into the trap and every trap is mm -hmm. different. So you're always waiting to see what the next thing is. Like, I love the first two movies because at the time before, you know, you get to like three to three through 10, you don't realize every single one of these is going to be a completely different thing. And they're all going to be really cool and unique ways to die essentially. And you are wondering if anyone's going to survive them because you do get an early person who survived like amanda survives a trap so you know that it's possible you know that it's not bullshit right that he's just setting you up to where oh none of these are possible no they let you know early on somebody did survive and then come to find out in the second movie part of the plot twist at the end is that like she is a disciple of jigsaw i think that's just like a really cool thing is he's essentially he has like a little cult going and yep. and you can survive the traps but you have to pay attention but of course the realistic thing is that you're going to panic so i like that there is a bit of realism to it. If you woke up, if I went to sleep one day and I woke up and I was just like chained to a chair with something around my head and a tape started playing talking about like, you have to find the key to your salvation by cutting into your eyeball because you've spied on people your whole life and you've been an informant. And if you don't do it in this amount of time, your fucking head is going to be collapsed on by this reverse fly trap. It's just like such an absurd thing to wake up to. Imagine just putting yourself in that situation like we watch the movies and a lot of times people go like oh this is bullshit like calm down why are they i would just do it or whatever and it's like bro like no you wouldn't like you you just would not be calm enough to fucking nah. get through this it's not you know what's an interesting thing uh regarding that um because i was actually pulling this up because i just wanted like normal like little fun facts to talk about uh the series in general uh they uh like this one like um I guess fan site did like a, a an analysis of all the movies. Uh, when is the when was this last lastly posted? I'll just say this is probably posted to yeah. It doesn't have a date on it. Uh, so wait, what happens though? Uh, it's pretty much like what is the survival rate of like the series entirely? <laughs> oh God! So well, that's a fucking joke. Eighty nine percent of the men that are in traps have died, and sixty seven percent of the women in traps have died. So like. 
at best you have like a 30-ish percent chance normally to get out of these traps. So like if you're a girl. that's the thing I also like about what Fraser was saying is that the realism is that like the average people are really not getting out of this. And that's right. like what's really kind of captivating about it is that it's a very we also like, don't watch it to see people escape the traps. Yeah, it's like let's be clear. It's true. It's definitely true for that. Uh, but I think what's captivating about it is that like the fact that like so many people do perish through the traps, it adds a layer of realism to it. It's not like where you have, uh, you know, what's her face against, you know, Michael Myers, how she always like stabs him in the leg or like knocks him with a ply- piece of plywood or something like that. And she always gets away kind of thing. It's like, no, you're dealing with somebody who is like hyper intelligent is a fucking, uh, you know, he's an engineer right like he's building these traps with the full design of like they're inescapable and they guarantee your death it's like everything goes into this it's like you are very guaranteed to die unless like you're extremely lucky or i don't know the survival instinct as he says yeah Yeah. no jigsaw is really different uh in the sense that he's not butchering people stabbing them up like michael myers or jason he's not putting you in a dream state where he could do anything like freddy krueger or chucky who stabs you up all of those movies the the main villain or the main antagonist or whatever, they just have a butcher knife and yeah. they stab you and they, they stab you up and they kill you. And then they find you in these weird ways where it's like the person will be hiding and then it, Michael Myers will just appear out of nowhere right behind him. Even though when the last time you saw him, he was walking slowly in your direction. Somehow he just appears like same thing with Jason. They have these really bullshit ways where you're like, well, where the fuck did he come from? Yeah. It with jigsaw is, is really, again, it brings it back to the realism thing where all you're seeing is a person waking up in a situation and they have to get themselves out. I love how the formula for Saul is is really well done. Every movie pretty much starts off with someone in a trap to kind of kick it off. Just like how Scream used to start off with somebody answering the phone and yeah, you yep. get the you get the killer on the phone it's like, "Oh god, you know what's about to happen." They're like, "Who's calling me?" It's like, "I'm going to cut your fucking throat out." You know, like that when you watch a Scream movie, you know that that is the opening of pretty much all six of them now. And when you watch Saw movies, they always open with like somebody sitting down, waking up, being scared out of their goddamn mind, and they typically don't survive that trap. That's how the movie kicks off. You're going to get some gory ass crazy scene. I love the formula. What's cool is that Saw what what kind of makes you know, because it is the horror genre. But I think what set, does set it apart from a lot of the other horror movies is that it functions like a murder mystery. Because it's not a murder mystery. It's not like somebody's murdered and there's a detective trying to figure it out. But it has a similar element in that you're watching somebody essentially in this trap that's going to be murdered. And the mystery <laughs> is, how can they get out of it? And yeah. what's cool is that they do lead leave a lot of the breadcrumbs out in the open and like the things are obvious but you just just never realize them like uh in the second movie the the main thing i forgot that i thought was so fucking cool was um the fact that the videotape they were watching was actually an old videotape who knows from like a week ago or a month ago i don't fucking know um and that the guy's son was in the fucking room with him just in the safe with like a mask on so insane and then he says he says to him straight up like you will find your son if you just all you have to do is sit down and talk to me yep. and you will find him. And he'll he was be like, in a all safe, you have to do he, he blatantly yeah. says the first time when he's like kind of being a cocky asshole about it. He's just like, Where's my son? And he's like, he's in a safe place. Yeah. And then uh yeah, and then he's just like, if you just follow the rules, like you will find your son. Yeah. And it's like Two hours. it's crazy because that just happens. And uh that's how it plays out. And so here's something I'm interested in, and um I don't know, you guys can say it, it doesn't really matter either way. But I'm wondering if later on 
It's one of those things because as you watch more Saw movies, maybe by the time you get to Saw 6, 7, or 8, you start to kind of get a feel for the dynamic of it, and maybe you, you start to be able to, like, predict what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, it, it might become harder for them to pull the wool over your eyes because you start to get the feel of, like, okay, yeah, these are how these movies function. Maybe they kind of rely on the same kind of... Uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know if that happens or not, but maybe yeah. it, it becomes a little bit easier to spot the tricks because you're kind of used to the tricks now. I'm not sure. I would say we'll we'll watch the other ones and, like, maybe you give insight on yeah, that. Yeah, um, I'm thinking the same thing because I can't think off the top of my head if I feel that way. I do think that they keep consistent plot twists up in almost every movie, though. Yeah. Every movie ends with that famous jigsaw music playing and they get like the game over thing. Every movie had the first at least six, seven of them have that jigsaw game over thing going for themselves. And it, who who yeah. says it? Who says it is is different a lot of the times? Like the first one, obviously, the guy on the floor who's been there the entire movie, who seems like he was shot in the head, ends up being jigsaw himself, wakes up out of a, a fake coma thing. And he says, game over. He says it in the cool way, like, game over. And he closes the door, and it's the end of the movie. Game and that's over. One of the most I iconic things ever. One of the most iconic scenes in horror movies, for fucking sure. Yeah. Like, that, that scene is iconic as fuck. Just, like, yeah. him getting up, like, I, Yeah. Well, killing off the fake, Because we were like, talking about that, mask. right? We were, we were saying, uh, like, he, he was there laying down the whole time in the room while they were yelling, screaming, doing everything mm-hmm. like yeah, that. Plotting to get out and exactly. Weird and he, we were talking about like, how is he exactly just laying there the whole time? And the way he wakes up, I always theorized this. I never really was able to find out if this was like kind of the online accepted rumor, but the way he wakes up, he kind of like is really exasperated. Like when he yeah. gets off of yeah. the floor I mean, like he kind of does this downward dog, like look up at the ceiling, like, <gasps> like I agree with you a hundred percent. I think for sure he drugged himself. And the thing is, he's the one that set up the entire puzzle. So he would know how much drugs to give himself right. in order to like time it. Yeah. For, Cause he knows when the puzzle's going to end. So he knows when he needs to wake up. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah. It's really well done. And just to say it now, but they do literally walk you through how Saw 1 happened in one of the movies. Like, there's a part that is so cool to me where they show you exactly how he sets that thing up, who helps him, like, everything that goes mm. into him laying down, that gun, and everything with the blood. All of that, you actually get that in a movie. And I think that's one of the coolest things is we, we're questioning, like, well, how the fuck did this happen? Did he tranquilize himself? Like, did he inject himself with something? How did he wake up at this exact time? And they genuinely just straight up show you like this is what he did he set the people up and everything it's really dope like i, I think i love yeah, that about it awesome. i think i love that about it more than just the movies themselves is knowing that yeah. they explain things that happen and you see why like why the fuck was amanda in the house after being tested she already was tested the, in the first movie and she was a survivor she was like i, I was a drug addict so you know he he kind of tested me because i wasn't i didn't appreciate my life right I'm, I'm a drug addict i didn't appreciate my life she was shooting up heroin and then she ends up in a second movie in the house with all the other criminals and they're like well what the fuck did you do and she's like i wasn't treating myself so good and they show a flashback of her like cutting herself yeah she was self-abusing yeah um, i love the she the was comment. self-abusing herself when we were um, watching it we were watching with connie and she goes be you know god forbid you don't uh you don't appreciate you like you have. What did he say? Like God forbid you have PTSD because you fucking survived his trap. Yeah. You don't fucking 
enjoy your life enough and he fucking puts you back in. Yeah, the <laughs> idea of getting thrown back in, I said the idea of him just policing your life going forward is insane. Like you do one wrong thing. You know how right now I'm eating factor to eat healthy and if he sees me order on Uber Eats and he fucking I wake up one day and I'm just in the trap. He's like, Frazier. Well, you already did that. So he's like, Frazier, you didn't enjoy the life that was given to you. You gave up on factor. So now you will be the defining yeah. factor in your survival. That's that's the thing. Frazier is that uh, that already happened. So yeah, we'll have to, we'll have but to see it's what if happens I completely there. backslide, you know, because right now I still do. Yeah, yeah. Still, do still, you're still doing good. Yeah, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Say what you need to say so he knows. I think <laughs> I'm kind of low key scared. I'm not even gonna lie. Um, <laughs> say what you need to say so he knows. I'm that's fine. scared. I'm so scared that like oh, I'll wake up. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. But I think, something that's oh, go ahead, Katie, go, go ahead. I was gonna say something that's also really cool was that you said every movie ends with like a plot twist. But I think what's even cooler is that at least for the first two, they end with three plot like I love it's the it's the rap it's like a fucking rapid fire plot. Yeah, twist. you it's can like, miss part twist. of it. It's like, here's a plot twist, and then as that's unfolding, here's the plot twist and another plot twist. And so what's cool is a lot of movies build up to like this crescendo of a plot twist. And at least in these first two movies, the end of the movie is like a double header or triple header. Yeah, of it's multi layered every time. Which is fucking like in the first movie, I, I love the fucking part. Not only do you find out, um, you find out like various things with like, uh, the, the characters all throughout it, and like there's little twists on how they might know each other, but then. When it gets to the point where you realize, um, the like other guy is in the room. That's one thing. Yeah, but when you see the uh, the guy that has um, the doctor's family hostage, oh yeah, you find Zap, that or whatever he, his name is. Yeah, you find that he, he's only Zap, doing that yep. because he's also a victim of Jigsaw. Right, it's not he like he was a disciple. Man. Yeah, he was a he was a victim, and so he's part of the game as well. And then like they did the plot to us right before that, where they lead you to believe that like Jigsaw or whoever is the one that paid the photographer, but then you find that it was a detective. And then that plot to us happens. Then the next plot to us happens. And then it's like, oh, you find out Jigsaw was in the room the whole time. So at the end of the movie, you get hit with like three, four plots. Also, bang, 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 bang. time is is very questionable in, in Saw movies as well. You think you're watching a linear movie and you're not. So you'll yeah. see things play out and you think that like, oh, this scene happened after this scene. Therefore, it came after and in chron- uh, chronological order but it's actually not how it went so for example danny glover who plays one of the cops detectives in the first movie um you see a part where him and his his uh, partner they go and they actually find jigsaw right like they blatantly confront him and his asian partner gets killed by a shotgun trap and danny glover gets his his neck sliced and it's like oh shit he survived that though, but his partner didn't come to find out though, the whole movie you've been watching, Danny Glover's in his room with all these like obsessed looking detective things. He has all these posters up and all these pictures up, you know, the typical thing that you see in a lot of media where the detective is crazed about a certain case and they can't let it go. That this is all happening after that part though. Like the part where the Asian detective gets killed and Danny Glover gets his neck slice. He's been kicked off the force because of that incident because they didn't call it's like, it, it in. was months ago yeah, like, like, you don't realize like that's or maybe even more than months yeah like, it's been a while since that happened so he's actually destitute he's living in almost a fucking like crack house it looks really bad where he's at and he's he set up a, a steakhouse and everything like that like, it, it's it's insane you find out oh he's actually not even really a real detective anymore he's just doing this because he's so obsessed with the case he can't let yeah, it go the the thing that you always have to remember about uh saw movies because they they're really 
really tricky. Like they're really they, they like to go for the plot twists. The the scene that you are watching, you can't always assume it that's what's happening in real time because the whole second movie is literally yeah. like pretty much a flashback. Like yes. the Daniel's perspective of being in the trap house, which is a funny yeah, it's actually phrase a real trap to say house. together, but it's, I mean, it's, it's actually though, a real trap house. I'm just going to bring this up. I was going to leave it go, but now that it, it, it happened twice, you said trap house earlier. Fraser said steakhouse, and I was like, he did not open a steakhouse. Like a steakhouse, but a house. Like a steakhouse. We got some puns here. Yeah, yeah, we got some puns Lots here. Lots of puns. But it's uh, that whole time that he is like going through this crazily traumatic situation in the, the uh, jigsaw trap in the house. Um, that's all happening in the past. That's already concluded yeah. at this point. And then you have a police yeah. officer whose son is in it watching it. And of course, if you tell me to wait two hours while I'm watching my son get closer and closer to death, at some point I'm going to be like, I'm not waiting any longer. Like you need to tell me where my fucking son is right now. Or I'm going to kill you. And that's essentially what happens to the detective who we found out randomly is Mark Wahlberg's brother. Uh, <laughs> Yo, it's funny because the Great first story. scene he was in, I was like, Hey, look, it's budget. Uh, Mark Wahlberg. And then he was fucking what's his name Norman Wahlberg? I don't fucking not know. fucking Norman Wahlberg. <laughs> I don't know what his Norman. name is. Daniel, I, I think. I, like let Daniel me look. Wahlberg. All I remember is that your girlfriend Connie was like, uh, "Who does he remind me of?" And I just typed it's in Donnie. Donnie. Donnie Wahlberg. Okay. Yeah. Connie was like, "Who does he remind me of?" And I was like, "Mark Wahlberg." And then I think Kenny was like, "The budget version." Somebody said the budget version right after that. And then I googled, and she was also talking in the chat too saying oh it's his brother and i was like i don't know if connie's fucking with me right now yeah or if like she's being serious so then i googled it too and come to find out that guy is literally mark Wahlberg's real life brother now i will say when she said who does he remind me of i looked at him and i said oh he kind of looks like mark Wahlberg to me and that makes sense because he's actually related to him so it's not like a crazy thing but the fact that i completely was bullshitting around when i said that like i didn't think it would be real and it just was so that was random but yeah, um, the second movie is amazing with the whole time twist because even the plot was at the end of that one, right? When you see the cop, the main cop, going to rescue his son, they're Detective flashing, yep. they're flashing back and forth between the tape that is two hours old and real time. So he's going into the house, and you see the dead bodies where they were when you were watching the two hour recording, but. You also see his son and Amanda running away from the one killer guy who's kind of brolic. He's like a Puerto Rican guy, and he's really diesel. That's not and happening at the at that current time, though. Yeah, at the yeah. same exact time, you have the SWAT team because yes. they got the location of the video feed. The yeah. SWAT team is also Bro, raiding quote unquote legit, the house. I was like, I was like. Did he set up two houses? <laughs> yeah, because when they get in there, nothing is happening. But you know that something should be happening in there right now. And apparently the whole thing was just like an old, just an old video. It's, he pretty it's much so had a well relay done. set up where it was yeah. like it, it was playing. It was just live streaming the the, the footage. Yeah, like it wasn't, Which is it not wasn't even, live. When you think about it, that's not even hard to do. Like, no, we could do something like that literally at any point with the technology we have now with OBS and everything like that. And just like how computers work, you could schedule programs to open at a certain time every day. You could schedule programs to play videos if you want to at a certain time. That is so easy to do. But it's such a well done trick. It kind of is like Genjutsu in a way. Uh, just to relate this to it, Naruto in, in a really strange way, but you'll get it when I when I finish. So when uh, Sasuke was fighting against Donzo, 
there was a point where they were talking about Genjutsu and how Itachi's Genjutsu is far superior to your Sasuke. Danza was kind of taunting him and all that. And Sasuke even admitted, like, yeah, I have nothing on a level of Sukiyomi, essentially. But at the end of the fight, Danzo ended up losing because he thought he had more time on his infinite Sharingans on his arm than he actually did because all Sasuke did was use a very simple Genjutsu, like the most basic thing. He just added like two seconds to every single eyeball. So they all closed two seconds later than they really were supposed to. So when it got to the end of the fight, Sasuke had like 10 seconds where he thought he was still invincible and he just cut him. And was like, you're actually just, those eyes, they expired a, a like 10 seconds ago, which is more than enough time for me to kill you for real. And so that basic ass Genjutsu is like, oh, I'll just make the eyes close two seconds later. That was enough to trick everybody. And just like a two hour live feed that is a recording essentially was enough to trick these detectives and police officers. These guys are really smart. Like detectives, to be a detective, you have to be like pretty fucking intelligent. Oh, yeah. You know, like regular cops don't just become detectives by nature. It takes a lot of work and you got to be a pretty smart individual. So these are pretty smart people, but because it's so simple, right? And everyone thinks that Jigsaw is this crazy mastermind, but sometimes he uses the most simple bullshit to just get you. It's so good. It's really good. And that once again, like there at the end, you're getting like a triple whammy of of plot twists. You know, you're finding out you're finding out the house isn't real. He's going into it. You're finding out that like the sun is safe. Then you're finding out the girl is like, uh, you, you know, you find out that the girl is the one who's like taking his place when he dies. Like, yeah, you're just getting hit by so much shit, like one after the other. You it's also fucking, find out it's that really cool. You also find out that he attempted to kill himself, and that's kind of how he got the idea for the entire story. So. Yeah. Jigsaw's past is revealed in the second movie, which is one of the things that I love. The first movie, you don't get much about Jigsaw, right? He just kind of wakes up at the end and it's huge. It's a huge cliffhanger. And then the second movie explains more of his character and was so dope about the second movie that they, they keep going back to the first one. So at the end of the movie, you find out that he did attempt to kill himself because he felt like he had nothing to live for. He has cancer. He has brain cancer. And his whole thing is like, people don't appreciate their life, so they don't deserve to have it. So he tests you to basically reinvigorate you into appreciating your life. So like if, if somebody's a drug addict or if somebody's a criminal or if somebody just does bad things like scamming people, he puts you in a situation where you're going to probably die. But if you live, yeah. you're supposed to survive it and be like, I live through this thing. Therefore, I will appreciate every day more. And that was kind of his thing with Amanda. Like after that happened to her, she stopped using drugs. But then she started mm -hmm. cutting herself. She had, she had to be tested again. Uh, Even that. And then they, because they show that scene and then they show that scene again and they just zoom the camera out and Jigsaw's standing right next to her. Yeah. Like they, they show the scene with her cutting herself and then later on they zoom out and Jigsaw's standing there watching him cut herself. It's just like. You know what you just said that I love to recontextualizing things. We talk about this often on the podcast, how when you watch something more than once and saw a part of the entire franchise is to recontextualize something that you saw already. Yep. So they do the quick flashbacks at the end with the crazy music playing that epic ass song music. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> Yes. So, such a good song while they're playing that music you start to remember conversations they start to show you conversations that happened earlier you will find your son in a safe place like stuff like that they start to play it over and over again and you're like oh shit and then the son pops out of a fucking actual safe with the mask on he, yeah. there was even a part where he said i bet your son is somewhere cowering in a corner right now 
Yeah. That, that was one of the lines. Now, I knew to look for that line because I already known the plot twist. But when we were watching it last night, when he said, You're, I bet your son is cowering in a corner somewhere, I was like, oh, shit, that's so, so cool because he's literally I, in a really corner. I need to say something in regards to that because th- there's, so, there's so much to, like, Jigsaw's character that adds so much to that line alone, right? Okay. So he says that, right, in the first instance, and the very, like... um forward facing like shallow level of seeing that line you're like oh he he's this really really smart guy like he just knows how his son would behave he's not even looking at the tape but he knows he's carrying a corner because that's actually what he's doing yeah quote unquote in real yeah, time like he's, he's carrying a corner on the when tape it, when the safe opens his son is literally basically screaming like into a oxygen mask and he's cowering well, in a corner so the only thing I would say is that I, I think you might be missing what I'm even trying to get to. Like in, in that scene, when he, he looks at the camera, he sees his son actually cowering in a corner. So it has oh, no, like a, a double a, meaning. Yeah, it's a double entendre yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, no, I get it's that. like a double. Yeah, yeah. But, it's like but a double meaning in that the way. The thing that everyone sees that might go over your head, everyone sees that the son is cowering literally in a corner in the trap house, right? Yeah, right. But then, like I said, recontextualizing it, they show that exact same comment at the end of the movie in those quick flashes. He's like, your son is cowering in a corner. And then when the, the safe opens, the son is cowering in a corner in yeah, the room. Yeah, it's this. crazy. So it's just it's like, crazy. it's a lot of recontextual. Like Kenny said, with the him saying the thing about Amanda slicing herself, you get a recontextualization of that scene because they back out of it. And then you find out Jigsaw was in a room with her. It's like, oh shit, the whole time. Also, you didn't know up until this movie, I think, that she's been working with him like yeah. this like this was that was a plot twist too is that amanda is in on it you think that she's being retested again but in reality she's kind of like leading them on in the game it's like no i don't think yep. you should do that she's constantly trying leading to tell them down the road kind of thing yeah. yeah she's like i don't think you should do that he, he said these are the rules we should follow the rules she's trying to help them out to be honest yeah yeah but they're not fucking listening of course because yeah. humans are going to human What's really cool, too, about the recontextualized thing is me and Fraser, we've said multiple times in many episodes how how much we enjoy things like Game of Thrones or Attack on Titan uh, and then, you know, go down the list where you watch it. It's amazing. One Piece Hunter Hunter. And then when you watch it again, so many things get recontextualized because you understand more of the story. Yeah. And then you realize, like, holy shit, and things click. Something that's kind of cool is that I guess the writers for this movie understood that concept, but they like Fraser said, they put it at the end of the movie, so you don't even have to rewatch the movie right. to get that feeling. Right. Because like they just re- they do the recontextualized part right at the end of the movie as a montage, and they give you that feeling that you would get if you rewatch the whole movie. But then like they just include that it's as part such of the a movie. good formula, bro. That is such a good formula. What you just said to at the beginning of the movie, you open up with somebody in a trap who's probably just going to die. Amazing opening to any horror movie. It's been done forever. You've seen it with Freddy, Jason, Chucky, like everything, right? So you get that opening that like, okay, this is the saw opening. Then you get all the stuff in the middle with a bunch of riddles that you don't quite understand. Detective Matthews, uh, what is it? Something was on a ceiling that he left a note and like that ended up meaning yeah. something. So you get like all of these look clues. Closer. Look, yeah. Right. You get all, exactly. Because if they just look closer at the tape, they would have realized this is a past recording. Because that's all that happened at the end when they realized it. They were like, wait a second. This is a fucking, we could pause this. So all these clues that you get, all these riddles that you get in the middle are like, okay, at the end, let's give you a montage of all of it again, but now recontextualize it with, here's what actually has been happening. And it just changes everything. It's like, oh my God, that was insane. And I love that feeling, that music. So it's like a formula they have for Saw. And every movie pretty much follows that formula up until a point, And then it starts to become like, this is kind of bad, but not because 
the Saw formula is bad is because whoever's writing it at this point is just kind of not really as good as the original people, I want to say. Like, they're just not. They're not capturing the magic anymore. Yeah. Um, I, the, the, thing, the thing that I'm a biggest fan of, of just Jigsaw as a character, like the way he's written in a lot of the movies, is that he has this very, like, mystique omnipresence about him where, he's, where it's like he knows almost everything that's going to happen to a T yes. in this very supernatural way, but it's also grounded in a way. Yeah. Um, he's very Batman. Like it's the Batman with prep time thing. He feels very, pretty, very bad. Pretty much like everything's like, planned out so perfectly. It's like, bro, if any, if this went wrong, for example, if the detective actually killed him, right, that would just be it. Or if he got shot in the first movie when he was running away, you know, the guy like, the, the one cop shot, him with a shotgun. Yeah, just fucking yeah. shot him. Like if that, you know, if that killed him right there, then a lot of things change. But he anticipates a lot of what's going to happen, uh, including yeah. I'll, I won't even say it because it's, it's, it happens much later. But there's things that he does where it's like, bro, he thought of this possibility, and it's so fucking cool because it does make him seem like this Batman omnipresent. I know everything that's going to happen. Type of character. I think he's the, almost like a god well, in his movies. I think the line that encap- encapsulates like that that aura of him is specifically the the scene in the first movie with Amanda uh, when she's doing her test. And it's like my favorite just line because it's just so, it's so hardcore. It's so cold the way he says it. Uh, on the tape, he's just pretty much saying like, hello, Amanda, you don't know me, but, and it just gets like this distorted low tone voice like, I know you. And it's just mm-hmm. like, oh shit, well, <laughs> you're about to tell me some real ass fucking shit right now. Um, it's just, yeah, it, that that's that's just one of my favorite things about like Jigsaw is that like he kind of has that Batman with prep time, but it's very grounded in a way where you could realistically see in the way that he like uh, presents himself. He's very um, he's very controlled, and you can generally get a pretty good tell from him that he's very intelligent. Yeah. The other thing is that most of the victims are connected to him in some way. So at first, what ends up happening with the movies is you you get these characters who are being tested and you don't understand why right it's like oh this guy might have been a child molester this person might have been a drug abuser this person might have been a thief or a scammer or whatever and then come to find out like in the very first movie gordon the doctor is actually john kramer jigsaw's doctor like that is his actual doctor he's an oncologist so he's a cancer doctor right and he is responsible for basically telling him how much time he has left to live. In the second movie, they actually show him going into an office called Dr. Gordon, which mm-hmm. is so dope. They actually show him, like, he's like, oh, John Kramer? And he, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm here. And then she's like, you can go in the office right now. And it says Dr. Gordon on it. That's something that you have to be really paying attention to. Like, oh, shit, Gordon from the first movie, that's his doctor, that's his oncologist. He also asked the detective in the second movie, Mark Wahlberg's brother, he's like, yo, do you know what it feels like to have somebody tell you how much time you have left to live? Because everybody lives each day without knowing. And he said they kind of don't care about tasting the water, like actually taking it in what it's like to drink a cold glass of water or what it's like to smell the flowers. You take it all for granted because you don't know when you're going to die. But he said, imagine you know exactly when you're going to die. That would change your perception on everything, wouldn't it? And he's like, you're not saying anything, man. You're just fucking ranting. Tell me where my son is. But he's not listening to what he's saying. Mm hmm. And I, yeah. I just love like the way his character is written. Sure, he's definitely fucked up. It's 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 like the uh, Yagami Light thing. Like I'm a Yagami Light fan, but I acknowledge that Yagami Light is also just fucked up in the head a bit because he's killing people because of his own sense of justice. Like this is what he thinks justice is, and it's like okay, sure, 
for you, it's okay to kill criminals because they've done something bad. You're a judge, jury, and executioner all at once. And Jigsaw is basically doing the same thing. He's like, I see you doing something bad. I see this doctor cheating on his wife, right? Or what he thinks he's cheating on his wife. Because come to find out, the guy couldn't even, he couldn't even fuck his secretary or whatever. Um, but like, you, <laughs> he has these perceived notions of who these people are. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to judge you on it. And if you don't, if you don't win in my trial, you just die. It is the alternative. Like, oh, okay, that's not, like, that's kind of fucked. But I'm not a killer. I'm not a killer. Yeah, not a I, that that's one of the things that just I I think um, personally makes him a, a a really good character is that every every good character that I've ever liked in any kind of media like is is super likable in all the things they're doing is like oh you can see these motivations and they're really interesting really captivating but like they're flawed in nature where it's like Jigsaw's really like captivating as a character but yeah, you're like is. well. You don't have to kill people to you, you could write a book. You know what I mean? Like you could write eat pray love. Like you, you could, you, yeah, you could write a self help book. You don't have to fucking put people in mechanical traps. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I um, do love the slow reveal of who he is. And over the course of the next couple of movies, without spoiling anything, they will keep revealing uh how he has the means to do all this stuff. So we already know about a second movie in the first movie that he's an engineer. Because the one detective, she was talking to the main character of the second one. She's like, yeah, it could be anyone who hated this guy because he's an informant. But how many fucking people do you know in Rikers who have an engineering degree? Right. Yeah. Because these traps are not just like it's not like somebody's ran up to a person and, and murdered them in cold blood with a knife or a gun. It's like, no, this was some engineer next level thought trap. So it's like we can actually narrow it down. Is Jigsaw also a cool thing is that he leaves these puzzle pieces inside of people's body like he carves out your flesh into a puzzle yep. piece and i find it to be really dope i it's want like to call calling card yeah. yes it is his calling card and i want to say that they do that consistently throughout every movie but i just saw saw 10 last month and and i almost think that that just did not happen in saw 10 like there was never a carve out of uh the jigsaw puzzle piece and i feel like that should be in every movie i feel like that, like certain yeah, things for sure like open up with a trap have the cool music at the end, the game over line, all that stuff. I think that those things, sure, you see it 10 times, it's like, damn. But people are going to see that. Like, that's what we're going to see. We're like, what's the plot twist? Let me hear the music. Let me hear the game over. <laughs> Let me hear the music. Yeah, like, bro, that music, I used to listen to that fucking music just because. I like, oh, it's like a psychopath. I just used to be, I used to be in high school and would just play, I don't even know what it's called, but just play the Jigsaw theme. It's actually called Hello Zep. Even though that line's actually not even said in the movie, when so when Zep's tape gets played, because yeah. uh, that's when the reveal actually happens at the end of the uh, movie one. Adam, after he kills Zep and Doctor Gordon starts crawling away. By the way, I made I made a funny last night. I was just like, anyone who's crawling away, who is as pale as a fucking ghost after they chop their foot off, saying, "I'll be back for you." They're yeah. not coming back. Yeah. They're not coming back. <laughs> he fucking died straight around the corner. Okay. Like, I don't care who you are, but yeah, he's not getting very far. He's a doctor too. So he has to know, but yeah, go ahead. So, um, when they, when they actually play Zep's tape, um, for whatever reason, it's just like kind of a weird derivative of like the normal, like precedent of like how the tapes normally are. Usually like Jigsaw kind of refers them by their first name, but for some reason he says, hello, Mr. Hindle, or as everyone calls you Zep. But the, oh. the actual composed song for the Saul theme is called Hello Zep, even though it's not like. So really that iconic like song that. that plays at the end is called Hello Zep. Correct. I yeah. would never guess that. Yeah, that, that's actually so interesting that this whole time mm. I thought that it would. And I'm sure if you just go on YouTube and type in Jigsaw theme, that song will play. Yeah, that's what comes up. But that's the what fact, I did yesterday. It was the same. But, but the fact that it's 
officially call like hello zep is interesting uh yeah stango you um, go ahead did you want to say more on that no i was just saying uh just just general things like the the for how fucking godlike that theme is and generally the atmosphere of most of the movie like i think the music overall for the whole movie is really good that theme just kind of it is is a Although, grand slam home they do do these moments when they start playing this hardcore rock music like metal almost and well you have to you have to keep in mind of the time era i no, feel I like that's definitely time era it's, it's sort of nonsense, really funny you know though I mean? when they play it because it'll be somebody's fully in the <laughs> track know, it's so out of place as soon as the movie's over it's like yeah, Limp Bizkit. Yeah. Stand in, stand out. But back I'm talking up, about during the movie, too, <laughs> Oh, though. my God. Do you, do you yeah. know that, like, there will be parts where Amanda will be in her trap, and the cameras... This is another iconic Saw thing. The camera does this 360 around the person in the trap, and it'll be flashing really quick with, like, like fast forward, basically. So you'll see their emotions where they're trying to, like, get it off their head, and they'll be, like, shaking really, really quick because it's, like, fast forward, then it'll go back to normal time. Then it'll fast forward, go back to normal time. And while it's happening, there'll be rock music playing. And it's just, like, a Saw thing. It's not really anything in particular. It's like, this is just how Saw is. It just has this weird fucking hardcore music playing while the person is trying to work through their trap. So I just noticed that last night, too, as we were watching. I was like, why is this random-ass hardcore music playing? But the rest of the movie (laughs) is pretty quiet, so much to the point where we start saying, is it is there a sound problem? Like, is, is, there, that... is there a sound problem? We yeah. had a lot of audio and streaming issues last night when we were trying to uh, watch the movie all together on Discord. It was a bit of a struggle. I we, think we, that we Saw 1 is not leveled properly. I think that it's because it's just so old and it was a budget movie, the first one. It's a super budget movie. Uh, an interesting fact as well is that the music was composed in just three weeks for the film. And uh, the whole movie was shot in 18 days. Yeah, so it's it's definitely like a rush product, absolutely. Yeah, um, so that would and kind of made, explain like the quality it, of life stuff. It made over a hundred million dollars in the box office, so it was a smash hit because the budget was really low. Uh, it was shot in eighteen days. Apparently, the music was made in three weeks, and it made a hundred mm. million dollars. So that's fucking insane. That's a that's a smash. Like that is so immediately after the first one in two thousand four, they made another one, Saw two in two thousand and five. So they didn't wait any time at all because it was such a big hit. Yeah, yeah that's, we gotta uh, get this money. That that is the funny thing is that I feel like every single studio would love to invest as little money as they did in yeah. Saul. Like everyone would be like, "Yes, I want to like throw like only I'll just say random number. I don't actually remember what the budget is. It's extremely low though yeah. for a movie. Like we have movies nowadays that are like multi multi million dollar like oh, yes. Yeah. Most movies like hundred million. Just, yeah, I was about to say most all of the Marvel movies are hundred millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Every single Marvel movie, every single yeah. one hundreds of millions of dollars so like just put that into perspective so some of these movies coming out nowadays are so much bigger than the budget but so much worse <laughs> like yeah. so much worse um but yeah it, it, as far as that like a lot of studios would really love to do a saw where they're just like i'll put like 50 grand in it or i something. think that paranormal activity the first one i don't know how it, i stopped watching them after a while but i've watched the first three and those are just shot on basically a phone camera like nothing crazy. There are just people in a house with a with a regular ass camera just being filmed. And those movies are extremely low budget. I think the first paranormal activity, the budget was like I, I'm gonna say an outrageous number, but it was like 10k, like something absolutely insane. And it ended now that up that would ma- be wild. And it ended up making millions of dollars. Yeah. So any amount that it makes in the millions is insane because like if you invested 10k into something and it ends up being a hundred million dollar project or even a twenty million dollar project, it's like holy shit, we only put like 10k into this thing. But so fifteen fifteen thousand for just production 
and then uh, two hundred and fifteen thousand for post production. So I think they got a little bit of money, like once they got like a screening thing going so, on. So yeah, I was really close then. Yeah, like because the you initial- were pretty much right on the mark because yeah, that's the I money remember, that they put into it. Yeah. I remember reading that when I was way because Paranormal Activity came out so long ago, and I found that the budget was basically under twenty k. I guess is the number, like under twenty k to initially get it off the ground, like we made this movie with 20 K and then we're going to do all of these special effects and stuff for another 200. But that's the investment that, like you said, you get that from whatever studio, but to make a movie for 220 K is absolutely insane. Like that is, that is cracked out of this world. So, um, um yeah, yeah, that's, Just that's crazy. So a lot of crazy, like filming stuff. So sure. I want to talk about favorite traps because you can't talk about Saul, <laughs> without talking about some of the traps that are just absolutely unhinged i'll let you go first we're only gonna talk about the ones in the first two movies and yeah i was gonna say that like we're probably talking about like the first um really first saw two because saw one doesn't have yeah saw one does is it's not really trap heavy because the whole story of the movie is really centralized around adam and dr gordon right just two people whereas every movie after this has a group of people i will give saw one like a uh like a honorable mention like the reverse bear trap it is literally like when you say saw that is the first <laughs> trap like yeah. if i if if i just you know quarry like random people in the street like when you think of a saw trap what do you think of and, and they it'll think be of like the something head. on my head yeah 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 something like that um so like i think that's that takes the 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 cake easily um and i think for saw 2 uh, the one that is definitely the toughest to watch is probably the furnace one. Yeah, for me, I, that is top three worst traps in the entire franchise. The furnace, something about... So I already think that dying by fire is an awful way to go. Like, in general, that is just a fucked up way to die. Um, people ask, would you rather drown or be set on fire? I honestly, still to this day, don't even know how to answer that question because I think both are so bad. Um, yeah. But like both, both relatively would, you know, um, transpire in the same way. Like you would generally suffocate before you even die. I hope so. Uh, uh, because of like smoke inhalation. But like when it comes to the furnace one, there's not really smoke inhalation. You're, you really are like, there's being nothing cooked. burning around you. It's just you. Yeah. You're, you're being, you actually you just being, straight up being cooked. Yeah. You and the fire are directly in contact with each other. You're not inhaling smoke. You're not inhaling like anything else. It's just straight up fire and your body making contact one-on-one. And I've, when I was younger, because I used to play with the stove as a kid. So my grandmother was like, we're going to make sure that you never do this again. So she put my hand near the flame and the, the heat from just that. I'll never forget it. I was a kid. I'll never forget how hot it was to just get kind of have my hand put close to it to know, like never, ever touch these dolls again. Because, you know, you could technically kill everyone in your house with a gas stove back in the day. If you turned it on and just left the gas running, um, mm-hmm. you know, you could th- like if I don't light the pilots of the of the actual stove top and then yeah, I just kill- gas fills up in there and then there's yeah. a spark then that's it not yep. even just a spark but you'll just die from inhalation like it's toxic it's poisonous you can't just mm-hmm. inhale it so so she wanted to make sure i understood like okay do not touch this this is not a toy this is not something that you should be just twisting the knobs on like you do everything else in this house so she put my hand out of fire i never did it again but i i gotta say that's a good that's a good way to teach that lesson i'm yeah, not gonna lie I, like I, some I, people will be all like oh you can't do that to a child it's just like that That'll teach them an important life lesson. They'll they'll never fucking do it again. For the rest of my life, I have never, ever 
not taken the knobs on stoves seriously since then like that shit to this day there are times when when gary will be like cooking or like doing something in the kitchen and i'll just check the knobs like i'll just check them to make sure they're all <laughs> turned off completely because i'm just that paranoid about it but anyway dying by uh being literally put into an oven but worse where the flames are touching your body and you hear the person screaming and saying, help me, help me. And then them trying to kick out of it. And because it's all made out of metal, you're not getting out. So you just have to slowly die and be burned to death. It's dark. The scene is really dark. And even the people who are in the game, all the people in that trap house, they're all watching this happen and they start to look away and they start to cover their noses because imagine human flesh is being actually cooked, right? That's the first thing. I don't know what it smells like for a human being to actually be quote unquote cooked. I imagine it's not a pleasant smell, hopefully, but the way they started to cover their mouths and cover their noses and look away blatantly like that just made it even worse because it's like, yo, these people are criminals. By this point in the uh, movie, you know that they're criminals. It's been confirmed. So they're criminals and they're seeing this happen and even they can't stomach this guy burning to death like that. Like it's really fucked. Yeah. Um, it definitely, it definitely turns like the, a lot of a lot of things happen in the in the in the second movie that adds like a lot of levity to it that um is maybe like a little ignored by the characters in the beginning like when they all wake up in the room they're all kind of like panicked for the reason of not knowing where they are but they're also like really untrustworthy of everyone yeah and then the uh the key they try to use the key on the door after the note says do not know, use this key on that door specifically and yeah and uh, you, Amanda tells them you, the the thing that's interesting about Amanda being in the element of this trap because you can you can infer that the reasons she's there is not really to be tested, right? Like if she, that's not a hot take, yeah, yeah. She she's she's there to kind of mediate and make sure that they're following the course of the game. Um, so like at every point when they're about to misstep, like she's like, uh, guys, like don't don't use the key there. And yeah. they immediately get punished with it where they have someone die instantly to a gunshot through the peephole in the door. I also think that the needle pit, the pit full of actual needles, heroin needles, I can't deal with that at all. I know for a fact that that, that one, and you know what's crazy? That one is nowhere near, in terms of like dying and all that stuff, that one is fine. Like you could be you, in a you, pit. You, of, you can't really die to that. Like right. it, it would take, it would take a lot, but it's, it is probably one of the most uncomfortable things. Right. Like you could um, comfortably move through it. If you stay still and just slowly move things out the way, right. You yep. could comfortably like in a pit of needles, you could survive. So compared to some of the ones where it's like, yo, this thing is going to literally bear trap your head and you're just going to actually die. No question. Like there will be no question. This thing, as long as it doesn't malfunction, your head is coming off. Those ones are brutal, but the one, the needle thing is just more so, and this is what I love about salt. It's kind of just unsightly. The, everyone hates needles. I don't know anybody who's like, oh man, fucking needles. I don't mind getting them. Like most people are like, I fucking hate needles. I don't want to get a needle. You just get them when you have to, because humans just have to get needles throughout our lives. But like the idea of having a pit full of them and you have to crawl through it and like quickly try to make your way through. So that means you're using force, which means that the needles will start to impale your body. Watching Amanda take her hands and do these large sweeping motions with her hands to move needles oh, out of the way. So bad. It's so, so bad. And then you see how many are sticking into her body. I still want to know, and I'm probably going to watch it after this, but like, I want to know how they did that scene specifically. Like how did I they actually have that for you? Really? Yeah. So I have some fun facts because that is one of the traps that for what most of the people say who did like set stuff with Saul yeah. is like one of the most involved in getting work. Uh, so about 150,000 needles. They wow. painstakingly removed like pretty much the real needly 
I'm going to use that as not a real word, the real yeah. needly part of the needle. Yeah. And kind of replaced it with some prop shit. And they were even so specifically like concerned with the safety of it. They lubricate it and put water like in the pit. So, so it's so it's so much less likely to like inject or like pierce oh, or anything wow. like that. Um, there was even a mishap on that trap as well, where actual real needles fell into the pit. So they shut the shit down, and they actually went through and lo- saw looked for a needle in a haystack. Wow! Oh man! Yeah, that's well, no even worse. A needle in a needle stack. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was, uh, a, a needle in a needle. That's actually cool. A needle needle stack. Yeah. Um. So that's uh that's the main thing. It, it, there's they actually talk a lot about that trap. It, as far as what they mostly say, it's like the most involved trap they've ever done. Yeah. Because looking at it, it's an unsightly trap. Like I said, it's pretty soft compared to jigsaw traps that kill you. Like that one doesn't outright kill you. It just doesn't kill you. Like, yeah. It doesn't simple, outright like, kill you. You you would have to be the most unlucky person to die to that trap. Right, because he didn't intend for you to die from that, to be honest. He intended for you yeah. to try to get an antidote and fail because you can't really do it unless you guys work together. Um, and because they took so much time arguing over who was going in the pit, they wasted a lot of time. So by the time she got the actual key, it was like, well, you're not getting it. It wasn't her test, by the way. It wasn't her test. <laughs> uh, not her test. That <laughs> shit was so cringe. He was yeah. like, this is your test, Xavier. And then he was like, one of you bitches yeah. are going in there. <laughs> <laughs> like what do you mean yeah um i think another trap and this one we kind of made fun of it because it's such a dumb one but there was just a box in the air like just hanging from the air and it had an antidote in the middle and then it had these two holes open for your arm like you could put your hands in to reach for the antidote but you could see from the fucking outside that there were these like metal blades sliced yeah. up it was basically a square sliced into triangles on every single side so that that way once you put your hand in if you try to pull your hand out it would fucking cut your wrist and kind of like a chinese finger trap like once once you were in it's like really hard to get out but more so you you just couldn't escape it at all um, yes so you'll just bleed the fuck out and the one girl and then granted this is far into the movie so she's a little out of it i'll just say it, it's been well over an hour the toxins are getting to everybody everybody is desperate to either get out or get a cure so she's wandering around she comes across this this formula the antidote just floating in the air in this box and she sticks her one hand in and she can't reach it with her one hand which is so it's so bad she can't reach it with her one hand so then before even trying to take out her other hand she just puts instinctively puts her second hand into the box so now both her hands are literally in this box she reaches for the antidote she literally pulls it up and when she pulls it up it's already some kind of bullshit trap where it just spills out into the box so you get nothing on top of that she tries to pull her hands out and when she goes to pull her hands out the blade starts to slice her arms like slice her wrists so she realizes oh shit i can't actually get out of this unless somebody helps me out of it like literally somebody would have to come up behind her push the blades up because her both her hands are stuck so someone have to push the blades up to let her hands come down but because at this point they're all kind of if you don't put both your hands in you can get yourself out of the trap right if you put both in you're just done you're actually dead if nobody helps you like if no one comes to save you you're just dead so and like i guess because when she spilled it i think she put one hand in and like tried to grab it could it grab it right and like spilled most of it i guess if you put both hands in there's probably a way to do it where you don't spill it but then once again so you need someone that's not a fucking lunatic on a with a nail bat to help you out yeah, the the whole thing of that trap, um, I was actually reading into it because it, it's it that trap always made me laugh. Like, <laughs> it's it's just so funny. She just gets stuck so fast. Yeah, she gets yeah, stuck yeah. so it's like, quick. It's like she's cooked so quickly. <laughs> um, but 
I believe from what I read that kind of all off to the side on, on the screen, there's like a key inside of the box and it's supposed to unlock it. And the reason why the, the syringe, like the syringe is pretty much placed in a way where like if you just kind of get into the trap like a dumbass, you'll just pull the topper off and the antidote will just spill out. Right. Like you're not supposed to really do it the way she did it. She pretty much did it entirely wrong because the context of it is that if you uh, remember when she actually entered the room, there's a tape hanging from a string on the ceiling and she pretty much just like grabs it and just throws it away and just goes straight into the box. So yep. she doesn't know the rules of the game even a little uh, bit. I and like that too. Cause I don't think we get to hear that tape. Do we? No, we don't. She yeah. just throws it away. I like um, that. So let's talk about the very first trap in this movie. Cause I, I did mention a lot earlier about how every saw movie essentially starts off with this formula of you see somebody in a trap, they wake up. So in this movie it's the death mask. And this one is the one he calls a reverse Venus fly trap, right? So it's basically a guy wakes up his eye, his one eye is like super fucking bloody. And then behind his neck and in front of his neck is what looks like a Venus flytrap, like the mouth of a Venus flytrap opened. So Jigsaw explains it to him, like, yo, you have to cut through, essentially, he shows him an x-ray. To get the key, to get out this thing, you have to cut through your eyeball, and you'll get the key, and you can, like, unlock yourself before this thing clasps on your head and kills you. Um, Immediately, I said it in a chat, and we have a little group chat, I said immediately no. I don't Hmm. think I would actually be able to, in that situation, waking up and having 60 seconds, a minute is, like, no time, there's no way in 60 seconds I'm taking a scalpel and cutting through my eyeball to get a key that has been surgically implanted into the back of my eyeball, my eye socket. I don't think I'm doing that. Plus plugging that key in, turning it and getting the fucking Venus. I think that that one is just like complete bullshit, like complete and utter bullshit. And the whole like, oh, he's not a murderer thing just becomes even more funny when you see that. I think I said this in chat when we were watching it. I think the only way to do that and once but that said you have to like get the nerve to do it. The only way to do that one is to just like take the the knife and just jab your fucking eye. Like you got to get it out of the way, you know what I mean? You got to like yeah. stab your fucking eye and just like no pussyfooting around it. Like you just got to stab your fucking eye and then like go from there because if you try to like be delicate and not fuck your eye up too much like he was trying to cut around like, around his eye socket like yeah. the, like the skin on his cheek under his oh, eye like God. he was Ugh. trying to like get around the eye and it's like if you try to do it that way you're just never gonna have enough time you just gotta fucking rip your goddamn eye out and like a band-aid and just like go in that said whether or not you'd have the wherewithal to do that who knows but i think that's like the only way to do it is you just gotta go the you just gotta go for it yeah, yeah. i again for me person <laughs> me personally I was like, I don't think I could do this. I can barely do. So when people talk about contacts, I just stare at them when they put like Sean McCabe uses contacts every day of his life. And I watch him yeah, put yeah, them yeah. in and take them out. And I always think to myself, I just can't do that. Like I literally cannot do that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Totally can't do it. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Like it's, it's there, a bit much. There was a time where my mom uh, tried to get me to like, she like actually like got me prescription contacts and like she couldn't get them in. I couldn't get them in. They were just never getting in. So I've just learned from that day there's like I'll never be able to wear contacts. I just can't. My yeah. eyes just will not settle and let me put something in them. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I'm totally fine with this too. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's how I am. I'm like, I I do want to wear contacts sometimes for cool things like showering on contacts. So like it's Halloween right now, right? Like it's basically Halloween. And there are situations where I've wanted to wear contacts. There's been many eyes in anime that I think are cool. I remember at one time the eyes from Code Geass. Uh, I actually wanted those. Like they have all kinds of cool cards, like Madara Sharingan, Mangekyo, and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, 
I would order it and just be too afraid to put it in. Also, when I was young, this really ruined me. When I was younger, my best friend told this story about one of his friends that had this situation happen where he put in a contact and you know you're not supposed to go to sleep with your contacts in. That's like the first rule the doctor will tell you when you get them is do not sleep with these and you need to take them out. And of course, plenty of people go to sleep with their contacts in and they wake up and usually nothing happens, but there is the rare case that this can happen. His fucking contact slid down below his eyeball into the area directly under your eye where your eye bags would be because what happened while he was sleeping he woke up with a swollen eye and you know how when something is swelled it like hardens a bit and you can't really like move the contact back up so he's trying to push the contact back up but it's painful so as he's pushing on he, he feels the contact under the eye socket area he feels the contact and he's like it's swollen now like fucked is all hell he's pushing on it and it's, it hurts so bad that he's like, yo, oh, I man. literally can't even begin to get this out. Like, there's no way this contact's coming out. So he had to go to the hospital and they had to surgically remove the contact. And ever since then, I was like, yeah, I'm just good. Like, I'm, I'm that's too much for me. I heard that story when I was basically like under 13 and I'll never forget it. And then I ended up meeting a kid and it's just like, oh, no, like seeing that scar under his eye. I, never, like never. Contact, I'm good on that. So mm. To take it all the way back to Saul, a scalpel going under my eye or going into my eye. And then like, I have to do that, suffer through the pain, grab a key and somehow have the nerve and the calmness to plug the key into the right spot on the, which I don't even know if the socket to where the key goes is like clear. I don't even know if when you get the key, is it very blatant? Like this is where you put it. There's not really because there's, I remember watching that and looking at it. I think there's like four locks on the helmet. Oh no way. like you have yeah. to unlock he, four he, different he has locks. like it's he's kind of wearing like uh like um like overalls like the way it's like strapped onto him it's like kind of like strapped onto him like overalls so he's got like belts on his like chest and there's okay. like yeah. two padlocks right there so he has to do all, this is all in 60 seconds cut a key out of your eyeball then unlock two padlocks on his like chest area and then there's probably one or two more it's like you you um you can generally infer that uh with jigsaw he says that like you know he's never killed anybody blah 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 um you know they they decide if they live or die but considering the circumstance of that trap and also the con- the context of we now know who the victim of that trap was they were an informant for detective matthew so it was specifically to get him like involved in like saul's grass like get him into his circle so he could yeah he just got fucked yeah he was just pretty much a scapegoat to get to you know who he really wanted to test yeah like the idea of doing that the idea of cutting something out of your head in less than 60 seconds with enough time to then by the way you now no longer have an eyeball so like good luck even fully locating the locks (laughs) like it's just fucking absurd yeah like dude it takes some people longer than 60 seconds to put a usb in the right port me (laughs) i'm one of them (laughs) like (laughs) <laughs> like it, yeah there's no way so that trap is fucked uh that entire venus fly trap one like i'll i'll pass on that amanda had the bear trap one right that was her yeah she yeah. had the, the reverse bear trap yeah and she had to she had to take a scalpel and carve through the stomach of a living human being who was tranquilized mm-hmm. and while that take one a key out of his stomach take a key out of his stomach and then release herself now i think she had more time than 60 seconds but that one for me like unfortunately i think i could do it but it's so fucked up to have to kill somebody who can see you because the guy like wakes up out of his yeah. coma state and he can see her with the scalpel in her hand but he can't move his body 
and he can't really speak either. He just has this frantic look in his eyes because he knows what's about to happen, what could happen. And of course, in a situation where you have to choose yourself or someone else, like self-preservation kicks in. Humans yeah. are humans are going to, you know, preserve our life. That's just a natural thing about every animal, right? Like self-preservation, every animal has it. And we're no different. So in that situation, he's like, well, I don't want to die. I have this scalpel. This guy's not fighting back at all. He's not going to be able to do anything. And she starts cutting through her stomach, digs in, grabs the key, frees herself from the trap. And like, uh, just the thought of having to kill someone. I also thought about that from the first movie where the Gordon shoots Adam. And I'm like, damn, no matter what happens yeah. now, he killed someone. Same thing with uh, the little boy from the second movie. He ends up killing someone, like blatantly. Yeah, he just fucking saws his neck. Yeah, the one huge reeking guy, he ends up killing that guy flat out because, you know, the guy was probably going to kill them for no reason. But he ends up slicing that guy's neck and murdering him. So for the rest of his life, this little boy has to live with, like, I murdered another human being. And I just... This goes back to the jigsaw being ridiculous with the whole like, oh, he's not a murderer or anything like that. Like he traumatizes people to all hell. Yeah. Like you took yeah, a little boy. Absurd. Oh, guys, I missed this last night. Um, I think I might have just been like daydreaming or something when it was happening. What did the little boy actually do? Like what? What was oh, his? Oh, like to to to. Oh, like why he's in the trap? Yeah, like why is he even there? Besides being the he, son he, of the detective, he, he's literally detective. there. Be, be, the whole so this is the main theme of the, the entire movie. And sometimes it can get lost on people. I'm not saying you, I'm just generically yeah. speaking for people listening. Uh, you know, you may see this theme kind of happen, uh, in the later movies, people who are in traps, it's not always their game. Like there's usually yeah. like a grand standing, like overarching, like goal. That's yeah, like, trying to be he, accomplished. He here. didn't do anything. He was just a fucking kid. Yeah. He's oh, so a they, they never the show. They never show him do anything bad. No. Yeah, no, he's just a pawn in the game. It, it, the, the game is entirely Detective Matthews because you have to think about who's actually running the game. Yep. It's Amanda. And Amanda is putting Matthews through the test because of, you know, the sins of him being, you yeah. know, a fucking piece of shit cop. Yeah, and he's planted like, drugs on people. He's beating somebody so bad their jaw was dislocated. It, it's Jigsaw fucked says up. it to him. It's fucked up, too, because fucking, like, you, like we just said, the, the kid didn't really do anything to then be put in this traumatic fucking experience, even if he does live, which he did. But he goes through this traumatic experience. He didn't do anything he right. He could have died, that, too. Yeah, not that any of them did anything to deserve that, but he literally didn't do anything. He's there simply because everybody there was a criminal that were falsely incarcerated. Well, they were by criminals in their own yep. right, but then on top of that, they were falsely incarcerated by this kid's dad, and so he's just there to be that scapegoat. Now, I get that Amanda is in there and technically doing what she can to keep this kid safe. But she and it's all part it. of the game. But, like, what was she going to do if the big Rican dude just started, just, wailing just on started the swinging the bat at everybody? You know or what I mean? the kid like, accidentally said, my dad's a cop? Yeah. Because he was about he to was say He was close it. to it. He, he was, was about very to close it. to doing it. Yeah. yeah. And she can't stop anybody from killing someone. So there were multiple no. choke points where something could have happened. He could also just die from the deadly toxins. Like a lot of things could have just gone wrong. So here's, here's the funny thing of that. Re completely ignoring like everything that we've already said, because it's all valid, like of how all things could have went bad for Daniel. Um, if you notice when detective Matthews is in the trap house after the, uh, Oh, okay. I got confused by your DM. <laughs> I saw, oh, no, I saw your message. Out. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, in, <laughs> in the, uh, <laughs> all right, I'm going to continue in the trap house, detective Matthews, when he's getting there, 
we still don't know in the movie yet fully, but this is after everything's transpired. Everyone's died. Uh, Amanda has, you know, Amanda and Daniel, they killed the Puerto Rican dude. I don't even know his name, honestly. It's just it's Xavier. 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 Um, I hate calling him that because my best friend's name is Xavier. Yeah, right? It's, it's just kind of like, funny. It's just, and um, Xavier is you like the opposite of that guy. It's so In funny. the starting room where the trap door is to go down into the basement, which has the bathroom, the yeah. iconic bathroom, you notice mm-hmm. there's a syringe that wasn't there before next to, uh, I forget what his name was, Julius or some shit like that, the black dude. Okay. The one who got hit that with the That syringe guy. is what Amanda gave to um, gave to Daniel oh. to cure, yeah, cure him of the, uh, of the poison. Okay, so that's kind of cool yeah. too. Yeah, so it's because it came out of the safe. Because remember how they were, how that's what he was doing. He was trying to get the antidote um, out of the safe. Yeah. So but obviously she knows the combo. So the other thing that's crazy about that though is, of course, everybody's actual anatomy is different. Everyone's body is different. Everyone yeah. handles things differently. Like some people dropped. So this is where we like start the, getting to the plot holy start of stall. Where yeah. it's like. Like, don't look, don't read too much into it. I'm going to say this right now, plain and simple throughout all these episodes of the Saul stuff. Like, I'm so permissible. I'm the biggest mark for Saul. Oh, like there's nothing you can say where it's just like, I'm, I know you are as well. I'm just saying this for everybody that's listening to be like commenting and be like, yo, like he's always giving something away for Saul. Yes, I am. Like I'm the biggest mark for Saul. No matter what they say, dude, that doesn't make sense. I love it. I love the series. So I talk about this a lot. Suspension (laughs) of disbelief is a thing that I acknowledge every time I watch anything. You need to have a yeah, level. You gotta. you gotta have a level of suspension of disbelief with a movie. It's a fucking movie of a guy who's capturing people. He's an engineer who owns a ton of real estate and he's fucking killing them with these traps and they're labeling him not a murderer. Like I'm already buying into that plot. So yeah. I have to accept that a lot of things that happen just don't make sense sometimes. And that's okay. And I want to be clear here too. We're we're over an hour in now. Um I love Saul. And that's kind of like why we're even doing this. I genuinely love the soul like stengel professed his love for it earlier but i officially want to just say like i love the soul franchise i've seen all 10 of them except maybe spiral I'm, sh- I'm still not sure if i've seen spiral or not when we get to that point i'll realize oh i actually did see this fucking movie it was terrible but i've seen every <laughs> every movie called saul though i officially have seen so there are nine of them that are called saul and then spiral happens to be called spiral um but every movie called Saul, i've seen it and i enjoyed to a degree Every single one. Like, even when we talked about Saul 10 briefly on that one episode, I, like, started off by saying, oh, man, it was fucking terrible. But then I said, like, how much I loved the movie at the yeah, same yeah, time. Yeah. It's, so, a gil- it's a guilty pleasure. And that's yeah. kind of, that encapsulates a lot of the horror genre in general. Is that, yeah. like... It's a guilty pleasure. A lot of them really aren't great movies, like, cinemat- cinematically, I guess you could say. But yeah. Oh, no, most gotta, of them it, it, It's just one of those things where it's just... You enjoy it because of the novelty of what it is. Like, yes. Texas Chainsaw Massacre? That movie sucks. <laughs> Even uh, but it's a but it's a fucking it's an incestuous like fucking family that has this fucking chainsaw crazy guy that chases these you know young teens. It's like I love wild to watch how bad the acting is and Saul because it's it's not all bad. It's just some characters are really bad. Oh, For example, yeah. yeah. In the first Saul movie, right? Adam character Adam's character is so bad at acting, not only in the movie but like just being an actor it, outside of the movie too. He's just he's just a bad actor. And then you have in the second movie, Julius, the black guy who gets nailed at it, he walks up. He's like, yo, what is that tape? And 
the way he says it is so cringe. And then the big guy, <laughs> Xavier, he's also just delivering his lines in the most cringe. Yeah, he's terrible. He he's awful at acting. Like that guy has never done another movie outside of just Saw 2. Like he's never been in anything else because his acting is so outrageously bad. And I noticed that every movie basically has some of that where Tobin Bell's acting is great. He, oh. he's like above and beyond everyone else in these movies oh, it's like not even so close. close it's not close. good it's ridiculous yeah he's he actually knows how to deliver lines and everything yeah like. he doesn't give that teleprompter feel but then you have like amanda she's also amazing at what she does she has this mm-hmm. weird like i'm frantic i'm a, she has that drug dealer twitch that not drug dealer the drug addict twitch that you know when somebody's been using they get like this these mannerisms where you can you can kind of tell without knowing someone that they're a recovering addict or someone who has used drugs in the past. Like I, I've been around a lot of drug addicts in my life when I was younger, and I just know certain tells about them that when I look at Amanda, the way she conducts herself, the way she moves her body, the way she talks, and the way she doesn't make eye contact, a lot of it reminds me of an actual drug addict. So she studied mm-hmm. to do that role, and I think that she does a really good job of appearing to be that. Um, but then all the characters who are just destined for death are pretty much pretty awful at... They're fodder. Yeah. They they pretty much realize that they don't really need these people to be like you know all star actors. They don't have to be Meryl Streep, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. They they're they're fodder. That's just pretty yeah. much. Yeah, and that's is. every horror movie too, which is one of the reasons why horror movies get such a bad rap because the acting in them tends to be awful because all the people who are going to die are just basically extras. Like they're just extras essentially. So yeah. you know you see people get killed on scream movies. They go scream is on a college campus in almost every movie or whatever, and. Uh, a lot of the people who are murdered are actors you've never seen before in your life. You're like, I have no idea who this person is. I've never seen them in a movie. So you know what's about to happen to them. And when they have to deliver their lines, it's just kind of cringe, but that's what makes the horror movie horror. Like, it's just like, all right, well, yeah, that's the one thing. Um, it's kind of like in a way, a bit of a minor spoiler, but just in general with Saul, they, they don't really like, there isn't like a lot of returning characters right. for the most part that like are involved with the violence. Yeah. Like as far as we, you know, as you see with Danny Glover's character, uh, detective tap, um, he's dead. Like he was a really big part yeah. of, you know, he was a really big part of the, the, the first movie and yeah. he just Chris dies. Rock's grandpa. <laughs> Chris Rock's grandpa. Also, yeah. uh, I think guy... that's, I think that was the trailer. I, I just remember seeing the trailer and he was just like, Oh, oh is that the fucking trailer for spiral? Yeah, 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 no, that oh, the tap is shit. considered like canonically his like oh, uh, grandfather. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah, so that's that's why I actually like legit before me and Fraser even talked about Saw Ten and whatever podcast episode that was. Yeah, before we even got on talking about all these Saw movies, I legitimately for a little while have wanted to see that movie Spiral just because I saw the trailer whenever it was, and I thought it was really cool that they had a character. That was essentially the grandson of the detective from the first movie. I was like, oh, man, this is really cool. It's directly linked to the first movie. Yeah. I was like, that's probably going to you know, be really interesting. I've heard a lot of people say the movie sucks, but I want to say it for myself anyway, because I think the concept of that is really cool. Yeah. Um, if I were to give my take on it, we'll eventually get to a full fleshed out thing, because I guess we'll we'll have an episode on it, perhaps. But um, well, not perhaps. It's Saw 9. We're watching. Oh, well, it. I mean, you know, I'm not the fucking showrunner here. Who knows? You know, you guys might fucking We're give up. Saw one through ten. Spiral of Saw nine. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that can be um, just fucking Saw nine. The best thing I can say about Spiral is that it's not officially titled as a Saw movie. Yeah, so that tells you a lot. Yep. And I think the one thing that you have to know about Saw is that much like every other horror film. 
Oh, wait. Hold on. I think my thing. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Holding. Hold up. Wait. Oh, oh, okay. Thing. What were you saying? Go, go back a little bit, uh, Stingo. What'd you say? My mic. So, uh, what I was saying is that uh, the first thing I would say is that Spiral isn't officially titled as a Saul movie. <laughs> yep. So, that tells you one thing. <laughs> um, and I think a, a, a whole situation that's stood the test of time is that horror movies, since the beginning of when they were popular, they've always been really about their main villain or their monster, quote unquote. And there's a very big lack thereof of Tobin Bell, Jigsaw, John Kramer. Right. And I think that was a really big mistake of it. Um, and we'll talk about that more when like the later movies of this, like kind of, you know, these earlier movies Saul happen. 10 Cause I think focuses yeah, around John Kramer, the entire movie. It's it like from yes. start to finish, Saul 10, the newest one, they realized that this franchise does not survive without this guy, which is why I find it to be funny that they're doing, they're finding ways to like resurrect him essentially constantly over time. Yep. And I think that's so funny yep. because, you know, the character has been done away with, but every movie somehow after has just been like, oh, he's back, he's back, he's back. And 10, I, I again, I like 10, even though it's still pretty bad but like i like it because the whole movie is the best actor in all of the saw franchise it's like oh well, shit. i would say if they if you know if they have john kramer they're starting with the right thing because yes, no matter what you know, i don't care what they be, gotta do to, to get be a there. soft spoiler for whoever like i think everyone kind of knows this for the most part but you know like john kramer is you know dead canonically in the whole universe like he dies at some point yeah, he mm-hmm. does have um, stage four cancer, brain cancer at that. Like it's yeah, not. Yeah, so like it's not a fucking surprise <laughs> that he's going away. Um, but you know the original. I, I don't know if it's like the original directors or like a lot of people who are really enthralled with the early development of the series in general. They have said like on record, they're like it was a mistake killing off John. It Kramer. was, yeah. They re- it was oh a, man, it was a mistake because it it forced them to put themselves in more like plot points that are like harder to navigate. You know, navigate. Yeah. yeah. So see, I don't remember exactly which one, and you guys don't tell me because yeah. I want to be surprised because I don't remember which one it is. But I know that I saw the movie where that happens, where you know he he's ended. it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't remember which one it is. But I do feel like it's pretty fucking early, like all things considered. Well, you already uh, know. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you I think that they thought. I, I I have to say this. I think they thought they, it was going they just to thought be, it was going to be over. They thought they thought it was done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they thought it was going to be a trilogy, which is what most movies tend yeah. to most horror tries to do. Like even Halloween, there was Halloween returns, Halloween kills, and then Halloween ends. Right. It yeah, was like, yeah, Oh, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. they always think that like do things in trilogy. And this is the problem with using the past formula to try to continue in 2023 to do the same thing like the world has changed so much right trilogies are not what they used to be the last star wars trilogy kind of fucking just sucked right like so many trilogies are just the last halloween trilogy actually just fucking sucked you don't have to do trilogies you can just be like yo this is going to keep going on because they can't get this guy or whatever like it just it is what he's a genius like, it is what it is i was gonna tell you he can't be gotten yeah so the whole idea of like oh everything is going to be a trilogy maybe that's what the budget was it was like, yo, we only have enough money to do three of these, even though they were making a shit time. But like, we only have enough money to do three of these. We're going to do three and then see what happens. And they find out like, God damn it. Why do we try to stop it? We should just let it keep going. And that's yeah. where now six movies later, here we are. It's like, bro. The other thing, I mean, that's that's what you see, though. That does show also the difference in like what how much of the story do you have planned? Right. Like you might have right. this much of the story planned. Right. And then you realize you want to keep going and yep. you wrote yourself into some corners, whereas like. Some other writers, like George R. R. Martin, for example, 
he knew he was writing for he knew he was writing long into the future yeah. you know what i mean like he you you have to no matter what you do you're going to write yourself into some corners because like you just can't predict everything and every direction your story is going to go but some people write themselves in the corner a little bit quicker than they think than they realize and then especially if the money's good like in certain franchises like the saw franchise the money's good and you're like well we got to make another movie and it's like well we kind of wrote ourselves into a corner i i think that's the the main thing is like using the trilogy like um format is flawed in nature because you're just relying on like things that I've worked on in the past and like the audience has changed and the time of the, the people, what people are in has changed. And it's probably just there's also a wait. balance. Good. It's probably just a better idea to wait and see how things perform before you start yeah, to I, start I, it, at a trilogy. Like we're going to have the next star Wars thing be a trilogy because in the past star Wars was a trilogy and that's what, well, that's what used to work, but it's not working now per se. Like it's not, it's not yeah. good now. People are shitting on those movies the, and stuff because they're like, okay, this needs actually more of an explanation. You give us three, two and a half hour movies and it's just not enough of an exploration of the universe of the galaxy far, far away. It's like, there are things missing. Things are not being explained. And then what ends up happening a lot of times, this is the last point I wanted to make about this is that mm-hmm. you end up rushing the third movie because so much, there are so many open ends at the end of the second one, so many things you couldn't answer. So the third movie now has to wrap up every loose end yeah. possible. And you end up with this Spider-Man 3 bullshit where it's like, <laughs> yeah, you got Venom, Sandman, and the Hobgoblin in one movie because you have all of these loose ends. By the tri- by the end of a trilogy, it's always too much. It's always too much. Yeah. So I, I mean it's it's the thing of it's the thing of the matter where it's like using trilogies as like the base format is flawed in nature now. But also, you have to be honest with your writing and realize, like, do you actually have this much story to tell? Because right. that's a very true. What, very, what, very true. What happens is, is that they're like, okay, we do have a lot of story to tell, but it's so shallow that it's like, well, no one's really interested. Like, once you reach a certain point, it's like you're you're kind of telling the same story. You're just doing it with different flavors, um, and you're not reinventing the wheel. Yeah, and you're I think that's right, what. Though. Yeah, I, I think that's usually what happens, and that's where it becomes politics and Hollywood execs and stuff like that. Yeah, but I think that's the, the biggest. I think that's the biggest problem with it is that they're not really being genuine themselves. They're like, well, we don't really have more story to tell, so now it's time to end it. Yeah, like, that's where it should be. I think a like, good example of this is Bleach. So Bleach should have just ended with Aizen, and it would have been a fantastic anime, a nice little quick watch, like not a crazy hundreds and hundreds of episodes if you take away the filler anyway. Um, Bleach would have been a great watch. You get to the Eisen arc, you get Ichigo and everything that happens with that, and then that's it, right? He loses his powers, he becomes a regular human again, lives his life, that's it. But they decided because Bleach was one of the big three and it was so big, and Naruto had already been like, oh, we're doing Baruto, and One Piece was just like, well, I'm not even close. So they decided, you know what? <laughs> they decided, you know One what? One Piece really said, I'm really not close, though. I mean, back then, <laughs> not so far when from they it. were ending, when Bleach and Naruto were ending at the same time, One Piece wasn't even fucking halfway through its story. <laughs> so, I'm fucking, you guys are fucking. <laughs> you, <laughs> what? I'm just being I'm honest. I'm not even close. I'm not it's wrong. Hey. So what I think Oda, is, has, Oda has story to tell. All right. He does. That's the, that's the thing. Oda has story to tell Whereas bleach did not have more story to tell. They're pulling shit out of their ass for this thousand year blood war arc thing. And to be perfectly honest. And when we talk about season two, season one was a lot better. When we talk about season two, I have a lot of complaints. Um, I, I just think that the story, and I remember this, I stopped reading the manga 
at the end of Bleach because of this arc was so fucking bad. And now that I'm watching it, I'm I'm in my phone most of the time because it's just it's still just so bad. And also me knowing what's gonna happen doesn't mm-hmm. help. But like I know what's gonna happen in One Piece, and I know what's gonna happen when I used to watch and read Naruto, and I still watched and read it. But with Bleach, I'm just like, bro. This shit is so cringe. Things are just things are literally just happening for no reason. And that's what happens when you don't have more story to tell, but it's making you money. So then you're like, well, we're going to continue to put it out until people literally stop paying us. So we're all kind of a little complicit because I'm still watching it. Right. So it's like I'm still yeah. giving I watch it on Hulu at that. So they get real ratings from me, too. It's not even like I'm watching on one of those websites that's like illegal or whatever. I'm straight up watching it on Hulu. So I'm giving them an actual like impression um, so I'm complicit in this bad series continuing to go on, despite the fact that I, I wish that it just didn't, but like they could make <laughs> another one now. Like, I think there's a hell art coming out and it's like, I hope that he yeah. has some time to really write that. I mean, it's been years since Bleach ended. So Correct. hopefully, and I've been hearing this hell arc is coming for a while, even on top of that. And I, I see no, I mean, I guess it's coming, but I see no evidence of it's like production Same. anytime soon. I don't know what's happening with that, but same but if if the thousand year blow arc is uh super successful and i think it was at least for season one then that's going to give the sign off that's going to be the real tell of like oh let's let's do the hell arc now and yeah. again like stango said if there's no story to tell it just starts getting bad yep yeah so here's the thing there, like there needs to be a balance with it like if you got story to tell then like if if, if people loved what you had originally and you have good story to tell then there's not going to be any problems but if you're just doing it for the interest of just fur- furthering you know the bottom line then yeah you're it's the the soul of the soul of the art is going to be is going to be very clearly on not on display yeah that's the thing i think Taikubo just wanted to draw cool shit and then he got, he got swept, he got like swept up in this story and he was like i just wanted to draw cool shit. this story is good guys but uh it was <laughs> I'll repeat was. this when we actually do the Bleach episode because you know some people might not watch this; they might just watch the Bleach episode. But um, um, I don't remember what I was going to say. I well, was right fun. there, and now it's gone. Well, look, I we, we can wrap this one up. Uh, <laughs> oh, I remember real quick. I just want to say it. I'll have to say it again in the Bleach episode. But I just want to say it because we're talking about it. When when this hell arc does happen, they're going to do some random shit. Like they'll reveal like Eisen's Bonkai or something. And here's the thing: that is going to happen, isn't it? I can guarantee you that he doesn't know what Aizen's Bankai is. Like, you know what I mean? I can kind of feel that too, to be honest. I don't think he knows what Aizen's Bankai is, because that's why we haven't... Is is what's happening. Well, yeah, because that's... Aizen is, like, the most popular character in Bleach. Yes. And And nobody knows what his Bankai is, even now. But, like, obviously he has one. And But I don't think Taikubo knows what Aizen's Bankai is. Because his Shikai is already better than everybody's Bankai. That is also true. His Shikai is absolutely out-fucking-rageous. So, yeah, anyway, I'll say that again in another episode, but... Yeah, I I agree with you, though. I don't think that it's even known what the Bankai is. At least, I'll I'll be more specific. I don't think it's known up to the Thousand Year of Blood War Arc's writing what his Bankai is. It's Mm -hmm. possible that now, right, it's been like eight years, it's possible now that he actually does have the Bankai ready because it is going to be in Hell Arc for sure, Kenny. Like, we we know that. (laughs) We've watched too much anime. We've come too far just to come this far. So we know exactly where the Hell Arc is going. Aizen's going to use his Bankai. It's going to be one of those ones that he can't use around anyone else. And it's going to be some absolute fucking nonsense. Mm-hmm. Like, re- his first one is already reality warping. So, does, like, like the Shikai is already like, oh, reality is not what it is. So, it's just like, all right, bro. The next one is going to be like, I'm not only controlling your senses, but it's 
it's real. It's like really happening. Like, like if I make you believe that this is happening, it's actually happening. It's not fake. Yeah. Like the rea- the fake bullshit, the genjutsu of it all, it's not genjutsu. It's just straight up real. Like you, a tiger just came and bit your leg off. Like that really did happen to you. It just happens. So that's his bankai. It's like re- his his genjutsu becomes straight up reality, which I think is one of the Naruto Sharingan abilities too. Like you can bring your dream, make dreams into reality. Uh, but anyways, that's our Saul episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed this one. Saul so one and two. Saul one and two. We're going to do Saul's three and four uh, soon. And before we get out of here, I just want to definitely give a shout out to our patrons who are at the uh, party member or higher tiers. Thank you guys so much. We just had a successful Frozen Soul Cup. We gave away $1,000 in cash, which was insane. It was free entry to everyone in our Discord server. Uh, really, really fun. I can't believe how smooth that, event, that event ran. Six rounds of Swiss. Stango's here. He got top four. Congrats to Stango again. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping to do more stuff like that in the future. There's been talks of a, of a tournament around Christmas time. I don't, I don't oh, know. Shit. I don't know if that's really <laughs> oh, happening or not, but we will check back in. I'll definitely be making a video if it, if it is going to come to fruition. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so just check that out. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and all that good stuff. You know, you know the routine. Anyways, I want to give a shout out to Connie, Ronathan, Lil Leon, Gladiator the Beast, our S plus tier, OK Quest, uh, Xavier Swift, hold on, let me get to page two, Hylian, Dimitri Barnes, Lean, Mean, K Cuisine, Apple Pie Lover, also shout out to you Dom, the fucking apple pie baked in a paper bag is literally top two desserts I've ever had in my fucking life, and I don't even know if it's two, that is one of the most absurd things I've ever tasted. I'm still eating it. I only have about 25% of the pie left, but I'll let my friend Gary try it. I tr- I've been eating it every day since I opened it on Friday, and mm. it is fucking outrageously cracked. Apple pie baked in a paper bag. Google it if you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. It is unhinged ridiculous. Top two desserts <laughs> I've ever had in my life. Not even. Not, it's not even close. Top two, and it's not close. So thank you so much for sending that from Gold Belly. I know how expensive that is. Um, Giovanni Avalos, Alex Flamer, Henri Reynolds, Dan Vrabel, Ezekah, First to Home, Mitchell Nels, Midwest Gaming, Vince Marquette, Dallas Bailey, Roz Weiss, Nick Stango, who's also here with us. Uh, the guy who stays 10 minutes after four, <laughs> that will never not be. <laughs> That's just so funny to me. Sarah Maria, Alex Ahern, Philip Campa, Chris Lynn, MSW2389, Kyle Botelho, Guacus Extra, Sugal, Vicky Venomon, Elijah Barfault, and then... A true hero, Tyler Sadeo, Volvi the Mega Monarch, Enraged Peacock, Leo Bacani, Janitor215, James A., Thomas Root, Joshua Carroll, Tim Amaya, Jeff Strain, Goat Explosion, Brian Moore, Ty P336 is a true sidekick, Gingerilla, Bluffed Knock, Michael of Illuminati, and ENT Collectibles, Jinzo for the Winzo, John Johnson, Phil P., Billy. Gene is not my lover. Um, (laughs) Frozen Go Dojo. COVID nostalgia. Love it. Uh, Mosca, David V, and Nextastic. Thank you guys so much for supporting on their podcast. We appreciate every single one of you, including even the people who are in the NPC tier. You guys are appreciated as well. Um, like I, I've been throwing weekly tournaments in the I'm Their Podcast Discord server. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to switch back the server to at regular Edison for a little bit. We'll still do we'll still do like a Frozen Soul format, the Highlander format, uh, and it's just based on whatever people want at the time. But I think that because we're about to get into all these like end of the year tournaments, there's yeah, we're about to get back into the real up. shit. 
Yeah, the, season's picking up. Yeah, there's about to be RBET rulers. The EWCQ thing is happening soon. Beast Mode has his circuit series conclusion happening soon. There's going to be a bunch of stuff like that. So, so um, quick, yeah. quick, quick, quick thing for the uh, viewers. I'm almost positive for if anyone remembers Gladiators of Edison, the 3v3 event. I'm almost positive that me, Frazier, and Cairo qualified for some kind of cup something if anyone knows what that is please let us know because me and fraser literally have no idea i'm almost a thousand percent certain that we are qualified for some like invite only tournament i don't know what it is let us know (laughs) yeah i have no idea what i I genuinely right now do not know what i'm qualified to play in in november um Mm. i haven't been playing much Yu-Gi-Oh myself outside of content like i haven't been doing any testing i'm going to virginia this weekend and i really haven't tested or anything uh, but I've been playing frogs for like the whole year. So like to me, this is way different than modern Yu-Gi-Oh where decks change literally because of ban lists and because they get outdated. Edison is still just Edison. Despite the fact that new decks come out and stuff like that, you just have to tweak your deck, but you can just continue to play your deck if you know how to play it well. And I know how to play frogs really well. So I'll say all to say, do not sleep on me this weekend because I'll still bust your shit. But uh, <laughs> anyways, as I always say, oh, guys, shit. do the things that make you happy including watching Saul's 1 through 10 and doing a podcast on it. Mm-hmm. Peace. Peace.